Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to a brand new episode and a brand new season for Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And uh, we decided to do something a little bit different this season. Uh, Last season we were doing mostly uh, paranormal uh, headlines and news and all that stuff. Uh, But we decided to change it up yet again, so that's why I just decided to make it a brand new season. We're in Season 9, Episode 226. Um, And it's been a pretty awesome year so far. I, I mean... We're starting a few new things. Um, we've got New Lantern Media, and we've got Crime Crack, uh, Paratruth Radio, and Beyond Reason all in the same spot. We actually just started up the website for New Lantern Media. So as of February, I believe, 13th, paratruthradio.com will no longer be active. Uh, you'll be able to just find us at New Lantern Media, Beyond Reason will still be there, but uh, that will be deactivated as well. Um, And then we'll just have the one website where you can find all of our episodes and all of our shows. Uh, So make sure that you're going to newlanternmedia.com instead of the paratruthradio.com from here on out if you listen from the website and check the website out as well. Um, We've got some interesting things to go over uh, for today. Eric had found this... uh, top 10 paranormal myths from travel channel. So I thought it'd be really interesting to go into. Um, but, uh, really quick, Eric, how's the new year been treating you? It's been going good. A lot of exciting stuff happening and, uh, you know, started working again. So that's good. Um, and besides that, I mean, you just said it all. I and mean, we got a lot happening, uh, media wise, and it looks like we're going to have an exciting year to come. So a, a lot of stuff happening and, just gonna have to keep on trucking, I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, since you had found this, uh, why don't you start us off? We've got ten to go through. Uh, we might split up into two separate episodes, but we'll see where we go from here. Right. So what we're doing here today is we're just talking about ten paranormal myths. Now, some of these myths most of us already know, but it's still fun to kind of go over them and maybe dive in a little deeper with some of these. Uh, and for those of you out there who are tuning in, maybe you don't know all of these myths. Uh, you know, some of them I and I've always known, but just recently found that there are plenty of investigators who are now believing in these so-called myths, uh, which is really interesting. And, you know, we'll get into that when we come across that particular myth. So, I guess we'll just go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, and the number one myth is the simple fact that paranormal facts exist. 
Now, we all know that the term paranormal applies to anything currently beyond the range of scientific explanation. So anyone who claims they have access to the rule book of the paranormal and that they know a foolproof way of making a ghost go, quote unquote, boo, is probably a charlatan or about to be pretty damn famous. Now, plenty of researchers, including reputable scientists, have compelling theories about unexplained phenomena and are attempting to apply those utilizing the scientific method. But so far, paranormal facts don't quite exist. Now, there's a lot of us paranormal investigators who are actually out there doing our best to collect the evidence in order to prove, indeed, that the paranormal exists. And most of us do this through a method of debunking. Uh, you know, we're trying to prove something by disproving other things. Uh, but in the end, there's still no real scientific evidence. Even though we see these shadow masses, we hear these voices, there's still plenty of explanations as to why those are being caused. Uh, it is a little weird still to consider like, oh, they saw a shadow, we saw a shadow, and everybody else saw a shadow. There must have been a shadow. But yet science tells us that that isn't necessarily true. Um, so I don't know. Where, where do you think we're going in this whole idea of the paranormal fact realm? Uh, are we getting closer to maybe this, this truth factor that the paranormal really does exist and we're going to have evidence of that? Or do you think we're still pretty far off? Um, well, you know, I, I think that with the with this article reading through that particular part or number one um, is, is, I mean, truthfully, we're not as close as we think we are. Um, as we continue to use scientific method to collect this evidence and whatnot, I think we are one step closer, one step closer. Uh, but, uh, and, you know, there's even reputable scientists saying that um, there's a lot of it, a lot of this evidence that says that there is some type of uh, paranormal activity going on, but they can't say 100% scientific fact that there is paranormal activity, uh, evidence of the afterlife, evidence of aliens or Bigfoot or anything like that, nobody can positively say 100% that uh, we're, we're getting true evidence. We can only speculate because, like you said, in the paranormal, more times than not, we're debunking to prove that it's not this or it's not that, not that it is paranormal activity. All right. So um, we'll go into number two, and I thought this one was rather hilarious uh, because you and I, I think at one point, kind of thought this as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ghosts only come out at night. Uh, there are a lot of reasons to ghost hunt at night. The world quiets down as the day fades away, you know. Uh, some locations only let you enter after close of daytime business hours if you're doing a business. Um, it is much creepier at night. Um, you got that scare factor going on. And most importantly, it's the best time to play with your sweet night vision camera. But if you want to chase ghosts, you can just effectively do it during the day, according to most paranormal researchers. And I'm sure if you talk to any paranormal researcher now, they would say it doesn't matter which you're doing it during the day or during the night. Um, in fact, it might even be a more effective time because that's when the dead were probably most alive. Now, like I said, I think you and I kind of had this misconception 
prior to starting the paranormal field that, uh, you know, paranormal activity, oh, you have to do it at nighttime. There's no way you're going to catch any paranormal activity during the day. And, you know, just through the years, we've kind of gone um, into and understand that it really doesn't matter. And to me, it actually makes a lot of sense as to it doesn't matter what time of the day. Because, um, you know, there's been the speculation that the moon has a sway over how strong the spirits are that they can uh, manifest easier during the nighttime because of the moon energy and all that stuff. And, um, I, I mean, quite honestly, we've come across different uh, evidence and different clients that have stuff happening during the day as much as night. Yeah, it may may amp up at nighttime sometimes. It just depends on what spirit you're dealing with and what's going on. Um, what are what are your thoughts on that? No, I agree. I mean, I think the very first daytime uh, investigation that you and I had ever done together was Gore Orphanage. Um, mm. mainly because that particular area is blocked off at night and allowed to get to Gore Orphanage uh, once the sun sets. So we went during the day and, you know, there's still some interesting things that we kind of thought we saw or caught, but it was more of a mysterious feeling as opposed to actual mm-hmm. evidence, you know, that we've collected and like we've collected in the past. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the majority of my investigations investigations now do take place during the day. Uh, and that's mostly, mostly because I'm, older and too dang tired to be staying up all night to do it so you know there's that (laughs) if you're young by all means have fun uh but you know in in terms of the whole gravitational like pull of the moon and things like that there is scientific evidence that links the moon to humanity like the mind of human of humans Mm -hmm. um you know there's a reason why we get the name lunatic uh and that's based on the idea of a lunar uh, or the moon, the full moon, that has an effect on humanity. And, of course, the moon also has an effect on animals and on nature in general. Um, not to mention the gravitational pull of it, which affects the waves and the ocean and the lakes, high tide, low tide, all that, you know, has a significant effect on Earth. And that could certainly ramp up activity as there's more energy being produced uh, by some form. Uh, another thing that we've also learned recently, actually, is how weather affects rain, lightning, the static charge of electricity uh, that you get from lightning during thunderstorms. You know, people have come to notice that these hauntings tend to amp up when it is raining or when mm-hmm. we are getting lightning. And, and it's weird because we don't know why that is. Uh, we don't know if there's actually energy being produced by the rain uh, or by thunderstorms. We know there's negative ions that are produced that could certainly create some type of energy form that ghosts feed off of. Um, and if we're talking about EVPs, I could see why rain would be uh, um, seem to amp activity too, because you basically got white noise happening all the time all around you. And I don't know how that plays off on a digital recorder, but maybe that somehow allows the spirit to speak uh, a little more clearly to us. So it is really interesting. And I, and I, I'm glad that people are finally starting to realize that you don't have to hunt at night, which is great because it is kind of dangerous going out at night, especially in these abandoned warehouses and buildings and out in the outside. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, it, it, it's a dangerous, I mean, you almost had, or, uh, was you or me or all of us probably at some point uh, when we were doing the Jeffrey Dahmer house, almost had a nail take our eye out. That was you. Because yep. we couldn't see. That's yep. me. Okay. Yeah. Yep. It, you know, and that's one of the dangers of hunting at night or investigating <laughs> at night. So 
daytime. So I, I still remember like you going, oh, geez. I'm like, what? What's wrong? I almost had my eye poked up by a nail. <laughs> I was like, well, I, I thought you had evidence, but whatever. <laughs> 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 but that was still interesting evidence in and of itself to history. Right. Uh, which is really cool because, well, just quick, folks, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer used to nail creatures like squirrels and frogs to trees when he was a kid uh, and basically gut them and torture them. And so yeah. it was just really interesting to find that there were still nails in these trees that were higher than what he would have been as a kid because uh, naturally the tree would grow higher or the uh, nail would go higher as the tree grew higher. So there's some nice history that kind of linked the investigation for us and helped us to to ask questions and knew what to search for um but yeah so i I think it's cool that everybody's starting to slowly learn it's okay to hunt during the day and he's still just as effective yeah all right why don't you go into number three sure uh, so number three, this is one that we've talked about so much on Parachute Radio, and you'll continue to hear it in the future, and that includes today. Uh, and that is that there is absolutely no physical evidence of Bigfoot. Now, while there have not been any bodies found, Bigfoot researchers claim there is quite a bit of physical evidence to suggest the creatures exist, including hair, blood, tissue, tracks, and of course, poop. Gross, but still evidence. Now, there's also a growing community of scientists who believe in Sasquatch, including the famed primatologist Dr. Jane Goodall Goodall, and Dr. Jeffrey Meldrum of the Idaho State University, among others as well. Eric Altman of the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society stresses that as far as the lack of physical remains, such as a dead Sasquatch, Fossilization requires very specific conditions, and Mother Nature has an effective system of breaking down animal remains in about 10 days. So, a freshly dead specimen of the already rare creature would, of course, be very hard to find. Now, there is a couple things that I do want to point out, and this is still the significant lack of evidence that we have to support a Bigfoot. Uh, you know, in this article, we do see that there is so-called physical evidence by Bigfoot researchers, including hair, blood, tissue, tracks, and et cetera. But the problem is that the majority of this hair, blood, and tissue either comes back with no results whatsoever or most likely comes back with some type of animal uh, that is indigenous to that, to that region, typically bear, uh, wolf, coyote, things like that. Uh, there actually is no blood samples that I know of, and I could be completely wrong on this. So if anyone knows otherwise, let us know, because I'd love to hear about it, read about it, et cetera. Um, and same with tissue. I mean, tracks. Obviously, the, the problem with tracks is this, that they've been faked so often that we simply cannot know whether the researcher presenting it to us is actually presenting us an authentic track or if it's something that was simply created by themselves. Uh, so, you know, it's interesting. It's possible that there are Sasquatch and that there is some evidence out there somewhere. But again, for the amount of sightings that we have and the lack of evidence that we have to prove those sightings or to help assist us in understanding what those sightings are is just mind-bending to me. Uh, you would think we'd be running into these creatures all the time. Right. Well, it's funny that it says it's a myth that there 
is no physical evidence, but I, I agree with you that regardless of whether they say they have hair, blood, tissue, tracks, or scat, because it comes back usually unknown, what is the reason for that? Is there contaminants? Is it because we don't have anything to compare it to? Um, is it a hybrid of some kind? You know, a hybrid creature of some kind. Um, and then you come across it where the evidence says it's another creature. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if you know this or not, but usually when that happens, aren't Bigfoot researchers still saying, no, 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 you guys are wrong. Your, your evidence isn't coming back right. This is Bigfoot stuff. I mean, there's some. Sure, there's some. I mean, not all of them, but there are some researchers out there that are extremists and will... <laughs> Basically, there's no way of proving them wrong. You know, you have a sense we're all the same way because we all have ideas and thoughts and beliefs and we're set in those ways many times. So it's unfortunate, but it's the ones that we I think the people that we all need to really be paying attention to are those who are willing to admit that the evidence is weird and it's suspicious, but isn't necessarily directly linked to a Bigfoot. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because. Even like when you're watching these TV shows, uh, whether it's Bigfoot Hunters or like uh, Destination Unknown or something, you know, we come across these mm -hmm. hair samples and the sample does come back as we just don't know. We've never seen it before. The only thing that we have with that is the fact that we don't know what it is and we've never seen it before. That doesn't prove that there's a Bigfoot, but it proves that there may be another animal out there or creature that has yet to be detected by humanity it's been avoiding us or finding its way you know and, and there's so many things out there we see how many fish have been discovered recently you know over the last few years mm. um and how many animals or people thought were extinct are still living so you never know what it is and until we actually collect a real physical bigfoot dead or alive we're gonna it's gonna continue to remain a mystery right well, and I mean, it, it talks about how nature breaks an animal down within 10 days. So mm -hmm. truthfully, the only way to find a body in a sense would be to actually literally hunt this creature down to kill it and then bring the evidence back to say. Right. And I'm sure there's a lot of Bigfoot researchers that would uh, be very angry if somebody did that because they're a lot of them that say that there's an intelligence to this creature and that would be somehow inhumane to do so. Right. All right. Moving on to number four, uh, only old buildings are haunted. Now, I, I don't think this was a really a misconception that you and I had, but we, I, I think we had the misconception that there was more of a chance of evidence if it was an older house. I don't remember mm -hmm. if you had that kind of misconception. I know I did. Um, but um, a, dis a discrepant ancient Victorian mansion with broken windows, creaky floorboards, and moldy furniture may be the best haunted house in Hollywood, but it's not where ghosts necessarily hang out. Beyond just old houses, researchers claim to have found paranormal evidence in jails, asylums, hospitals, hotels, museums, battleships, cruise liners, cars, roads, and forests. Now, it doesn't say old in any of that. Um, it did say old houses, but um, not the jails, asylums, all that. It doesn't say old. Um, some of them may be shut down and decrepit, but there are 
quite a few areas where you're going to find newer um, cruise ship, cruise liners, hotels, and whatnot that are going to have hauntings. New locations can also be haunted as can the ground where a new building is established, like I just said. There doesn't necessarily have to be a death on the property either. I think that's another misconception. It is widely accepted within the paranormal community that objects and people themselves can be the focus of a haunting. Now, you and I have come across um, not necessarily objects, but people that are being haunted. Uh, you know, we did the one home where it was a child being affected. And <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, I don't think the, the parents were being affected or saw any evidence, shape, or form that... Uh, would say that they were like, well, there's a ghost in this house, but it's affecting our child more than us. It was just affecting the child, right? Correct. Okay. Um, so I think that, uh, I think this kind of hits the nail on the head that, you know, it's, it can be people that are haunted on top of places. And I mean, to be perfectly honest, you and I have talked about this numerous times that, um, a haunt uh, a ghost can follow people even if they weren't haunted before. Um, mm -hmm. So, what are some of your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I, I think that's definitely the case in not all, but quite a few hauntings. Um, you know, I, I think human human emotion plays into hauntings actually, and sometimes you have to wonder whether. Uh, a haunting is actually even a spiritual haunting. Is it actually a ghost or is it more of a repercussion of someone's actions or um, in this case, energy or emotions, you know, cause obviously like if someone's in a really bad mood, whether they're angry, sad, whatever you walk into that house or that person is sad and it feels sad, right? You feel that emotion. Mm -hmm. It's, it's thick. It's it, there's tension there. Um, lights are usually turned off shades drawn. No one wants to, you know, see the light of day. Uh, same with with anger, you know, and all that's a fear. All of that kind of plays a role in uh, how people surrounding that person feel. And that could generate some type of energy manifestation that isn't necessarily a ghost, but is a haunting in its own right. Um, and in this case, it's more of an emotional haunting. It's something that we're feeling as opposed to seeing or collecting evidence on. And that goes right. along the lines of... Uh, the psychic vampire example, you know, we know mm -hmm. that there's psychic vampires. There are people who claim to be and there's not so much necessarily evidence to prove it. But the idea of the psychic uh, psychic vampire is pretty solid, I think, you know, and this is in this case, it's just somebody who kind of thrives off of the imbalance of things. Uh, if, for example, people, what do you call them? Um, the people on the Internet who like like on Facebook who purposely say something stupid trolls. just to rout people up. Yeah. Troll. So take a troll, for example, a troll is more or less a psychic vampire. These are people who feed off of negative emotion. These are people who want to get people riled up, get people angry, upset, and they love it. They love that energy. It fuels them while everybody else is slowly decreasing in energy and becoming frustrated. Mm. That's an, haunting in a way for those people who are slowly being drained of their energy. So that's something I think we need to consider, especially for those of us investigators who are coming into this new. I think there's plenty of old investigators who are already on the case in this in this particular uh, setup here. But 
you know, you have to remember that not every haunting is necessarily a haunting. There is a lot of emotion here. There are, and basically that emotion triggers the brain to see things, feel things that may just not really be there, you know? And that's where these, these, uh, this equipment comes in that we use to try to help to help us detect something that is more or less, um, takes place in the atmosphere, something that's a little less physical to the human, a little more, you know, I, it, I, I'm sorry, I'm having trouble explaining exactly what I'm trying to say here, but I think everyone's <laughs> on the same page and understanding where I'm going here. Um, so, you know, this is, I don't know. I mean, I, I think definitely a lot of these hauntings are legitimate, but there's quite a few that can also be this emotional thing. Um, one, one, one case in general is, I see a lot of houses here in Cleveland that are built right next to cemeteries. Like it's literally their lot next door or the backyard. And I always mm. wonder when I drive past those, what that house is like, like what do those people experience? Um, because there is a lot of energy coming from those, you know, and these are old cemeteries up here. Uh, they still have the iron fences around them because, you know, there's this belief that iron is a pure substance that keeps spirits from crossing over. So, you know, and what does that belief play into here? You know, can that belief stir up some other type of hauntings? A lot of stuff that goes into this. Right. So number five, America's paranormal fascination is new. And for most of us, we would think it is. But of course, it isn't. See, although the paranormal has become quite popular with the arrival of investigation-based reality shows, America's fascination dates back to the origins of the nation. The paranormal peaked in the U.S. in the mid-19th and early 20th centuries with the introduction of spiritualism, a religious philosophy that espoused that, com that communication with the spirit world is positive. Mary Todd Lincoln, Mark Twain, and Harry Houdini were among the American celebrities who became part of the paranormal conversation. And the public gathered in homes and auditoriums to connect with the dead in seances. Now, beyond ghosts, Future President Teddy Roosevelt wrote of a frontiersman uh, encounter with a Bigfoot-like creature in 1893, and other Sasquatch stories would periodically make their way into the news. Now, long before the Battle of Los Angeles in 1942 or the Roswell incident in 1947, airships were reported in the skies above America, and a newspaper man, S.E. Hayden, wrote about the crash of such a ship in Aurora, Texas in 1897, which you and I have actually talked about and had people on the show to talk about as well. Uh, mm -hmm. And that was about six years before the Wright brothers' first flight, which is also a very interesting fact here and important to note. Um, you know, in, in terms of the paranormal, there, there is when the spiritualism became such a big thing and seances were really big, uh, there were a couple of individuals who helped cast the this huge net uh, on America uh, to, to really capture the minds and imaginations of people by saying we can do this and we'll perform on stage. And it's during that same time early on that a few people actually ended up being proven to be frauds and even came out to admit they were frauds. And it kind of put this imbalance where people started becoming even more skeptical than they were at the beginning. You know, mm -hmm. when it's new, and you're a young nation and everybody's kind of seeing the, I mean, think of um, the witch hunts, for example, you know, Protestants yep. 
Christians, people had much more of a different view than what we do today on this new world. Uh, think of the the effect that it may, that Native Americans had, their lore, their legends, uh, their stories. That also plays an effect. Look at the Wendigo, how big of a creature that is, even still today in America. And that was a Native American uh, myth uh, or even belief, really. So, you know, when these people ended up becoming accused of faking these seances and ultimately were proven wrong, it created this divide. And you had those who said that, no, paranormal isn't real at all. And those who said, oh, we still believe these people just happen to be the frauds. Uh, and that's kind of where we're stuck today. In terms of aliens, actually, because I'd like to mention this, so we're going to be going into that. But the UFO thing is really interesting because as of late, the last few years, that is, UFO activity has seemed to really spike in America. Uh, I feel like we're getting more reports of flying saucers lately than we had even before 2012, which is really interesting. And I don't know if this is just, you know, it's funny because I watched this show um, called Paranormal Caught on Camera. And one of the things that have been mentioned many times, and we've talked about this in the past too, is that all the paranormal, whether it's ghosts, aliens, Bigfoot, they've always been around. It's always been here. The only difference is that we have the technology now to catch a lot of this stuff. We have cameras constantly recording, CCTV constantly recording, and it's picking up these energy forces and these these shadows, these spirits, etc. And so people think, oh, this is new. This is the world's getting crazy. It's, it's you know the apocalypse is coming because hell is rising and there's ghosts and demons. And it's like no. They've been around forever. The only difference is the technology that we now have to see these things. And most of us see it unwillingly. These are people who are just doing their normal thing every day, and all of a sudden a ghost shows up. It's like, wait a second. This is new. But is it? Right. Well, and um, I mean, it went into how... Um, Mary um, Todd Lincoln had experiences, but even Abraham Lincoln had an experience where he saw a doppelganger in the mirror and it showed his face half gray and almost uh, dead-like. And he had just woken up from, uh, I believe he was laying on a couch. And so even he had these experiences um, but uh, even Thomas Edison was trying to contact the other side when he created the spirit phone or the telephone to the dead. Uh, it's been used by multiple names. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's not something relatively new. We, we've been fascinated by this particular set of events and, and evidence um, going way back beyond relatively recent times and like right. you had mentioned um it, it's kind of gotten a push by the uh different reality tv shows and shows like um uh unsolved mysteries they would have stuff like that um so it, it's something that's not new it's just we've kind of gotten into a craze of it and it's kind of weird because I think it's spiked 
more in recent years than it has throughout history because I think it was more taboo uh, way back when compared to now to even talk about it. So, mm-hmm. um, hi, this is comedian and writer. And let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotus, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, Yeah. right? And yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? (laughs) The Bigfoot thing is people have seen these and and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Let's go into number six. Aliens are little green men in flying saucers. Actually, the most popular aliens are little gray men, according to believers. In America, the grays are the archetypes when discussing alien encounters and were supposedly found in the Roswell incident. Creatures supposedly have large black buggy eyes and a slit for a mouth and their oversized noggin. However, aggressive reptilians and blonde-haired Nordic humanoids have also been reported by witnesses along with dozens of other alien species. As far as the flying saucer part, ufologists claim we should add flying crescents cigar-shaped crafts, triangular shapes, and a V-shaped craft to the classic flying saucer motif. Now, you and I have talked to numerous people throughout the years about uh, not just aliens, but UFOs. And, I mean, the evidence has been mounting that uh, something strange is happening. And, but, you know, I still believe, just like we were talking about earlier about scientific evidence saying that Bigfoot exists. I I truly believe even though we're getting these different images and everything else, we can't say 100% for sure that these things are around. Right. Yeah, no, you know, we, we can't say for sure. And, you know, uh, we've, we've had people on, on air with us that have written books and we've asked this question, um, you know, can these UFOs that we are seeing, are they actually aircraft or could they be portals to other dimensions that are opening up, you know, mm-hmm. or what are we actually seeing these glowing lights, you know, it could be anything. Um, and, and not to mention, you know, there's, there's a lot of people out there, uh, who are skeptics of UFOs or at least of alien, uh, technology and mm-hmm. believe that the military are developing interesting, weird craft of some sort and test flying them, you know, uh, which mm-hmm. is certainly seems to be the case to to some extent. In fact, uh, have you ever heard of the TR-3B, Justin? Can't say that I have. Okay. So the TR-3B is actually an anti-gravity spacecraft that has been uh, 
announced by the military, something that they are creating or at least have an idea that they want to create it. Um, now, officially, the TR-3B doesn't exist, but if it did, the idea is that it uses highly pressured uh, mercury accelerated by nuclear energy to produce a plasma that creates a field of anti-gravity around the ship. Now, conventional thrusters located at the tips of the craft allow it to perform all manner of rapid high-speed maneuvers along all three axes. Uh, interestingly, the plasma generated also reduces radar signature significantly, so it'll be almost invisible on radar and remain undetected. This literally means that it can go to any country it likes without being detected by aircraft control and air defense systems. Now, this is something that can be pretty much when you can like uh, an upgrade to the stealth fighter. Now, the stealth fighter is one of those planes that were uh, very good and still is mm -hmm. very good at staying silent on radar. You know, it has a special body, uh, blacked out, creates this, this, whatever it is to, to, to keep itself silent on radar. And now this TR-3B anti-gravity spacecraft, which I actually read this from military.com, uh, is something that, people are claiming they might be seeing. And it does look like a triangle shape. If you ever want to check it out, guys, look it up, TR-3B. Um, it's all you have to type in. It looks like a triangle. It looks like some of these spacecraft that we've seen over the last uh, couple of years now. And so, you know, what does that mean? Is this an alien craft or is this something that the military is simply developing? Number seven. No one still believes in vampires. How ironic that we'd be talking about this, considering we just talked about this. Now, <laughs> the bloodsuckers from folklore have enjoyed a nice comeback in paranormal pop culture in the last few years. But they never completely went away in some societies. In fact, recently, Indian, <clears throat> Indian politicians placed a $2,000 bounty on vampires sucking the blood from villagers' cattle in the town of Dharampuri in Tamil Nadu. Uh, which called to mind the 2004 exhumation, some, some big words here, folks, that <laughs> I'm not schooled in, <laughs> and subsequent staking of a corpse in Marotinu de Sils, Romania, which I actually recall the article that came out on that particular staking not too long ago. Now, the supernatural ghouls may not resemble the sexy beasts of Twilight and True Blood, but they are still very much alive or undead in various parts of the world. Even within the United States, there are subcultures of individuals who believe they are among a class of vampire, with especially active groups in New Orleans and New York City. Now, I, we've talked about this in regards to New York City and New Orleans, and these aren't just psychic vampires, but these are people who actually go to these clubs these vampire clubs that are underground we actually have a few here in cleveland fox 8 did a report on it back in 2012 i think um and there are these underground uh, i just call them clubs because it's where people go and meet up it's like any other club uh but in this case you're meeting people that you can exchange blood with you're supposedly get tested and then you can drink each other's blood okay whatever so <laughs> There's these class of vampires. Now, you and I have always said that with any myth or legend or story, there's probably some sort of truth uh, mm -hmm. that started it all. 
Now, we don't know what most of those truths are. We don't know where the werewolf thing came from exactly. We have an idea, specific diseases that create uh, hair mm. on the face or pull back the gums on the teeth or flesh from the nails that give them this werewolf-like uh, look. Uh, vampires, maybe it's very similar. Maybe it's more so based on Elizabeth Bathory, uh, who you slapped a girl one time, one of her maidens, and found that the blood that was on her hand that she wiped away made the skin look younger. Of course, Elizabeth Bathory ended up going on a murdering spree and would basically bathe in these young girls' blood, uh, believing that she was indeed becoming younger. Uh, another one would be Vlad the Impaler, someone who basically had this weird, crazy, sick way of demonstrating his power by sticking stakes through people and in some of the most horrifying ways possible. Uh, in fact, there's some history that I read on it in which he would actually keep people alive as he would stake them, and it would basically stake them through the anus all the way up through the mouth yep. and then leave them to hang on these stakes uh, until they died. And it would be a warning to all the trespassers, everybody walking by, that Vlad is indeed the one in power type of vampire. Someone who isn't necessarily into drinking blood, but is indeed right. blood hungry, I guess. Yeah. Um, and that can be a number of things, you know, and so we know there's a lot of people out there that, that are just like that. So, yeah. All right. Number eight, modern zombies are supernatural. The term zombie has been in use for well over a century and before 1968 applied to seemingly soulless slaves created by the Haitian voodoo magic. After 1968, when George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead was released, the term was forever changed. Modern zombies are the result of an unexplained contagion, but are not supernatural. According to zombie expert Matt Mogg, which I don't know how you can be an expert on something that doesn't necessarily exist, of the Zombie Research Society, the modern zombie is a relentless, aggressive, reanimated human corpse driven by a biological infection. So supernatural vampires, mummies, Nordic drugs, and all revenants need not apply for brunch with this bunch. Now, uh, I mean, a lot of uh, fictional things have gone into that. Uh, just look at the Resident Evil games, how it's based on a contagion that's changed the, the person's body to... Uh, want to consume flesh. Um, there's been numerous movies that have brought that up and video games, both. Um, not sure on fiction as far as books is concerned. I haven't read too many zombie books, but um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that's changed over the years. And I, I think we've kind of discussed both types. Um, actually, maybe not. Maybe we haven't really gone into full detail. Is that something that we wanted to go further into? I can't remember. The zombie thing? Like, oh, yeah. yeah actually, like I the think types I of zombies. Mention, uh, um, in a way, yeah, because I kind of wanted to talk about in another episode the Haitian voodoo slash modern zombie resemblance and differences. Um, I mean, I think we could talk about it a little bit here, for sure, because in, in regards to the modern zombie uh, it, it is what we pretty much see on on TV or in movies right. is these brain hungry creatures or flesh hungry creatures that are dead and only surviving for one thing. And that is to quote the Red Queen of Resident Evil, the need to feed. 
So, <laughs> in reality, Are, though, what's that? No, go ahead. Oh, in reality, though, there have been a couple of of um, instances in which a zombie did appear, and this mostly happened within Haitian voodoo. And in that case, and we'll talk about this more in another episode uh, coming up soon, actually, is the idea of the Haitian voodoo zombie powder, basically. It's basically zombie powder. And most cases, or in most instances, a voodoo priest or priestess will create this powder out of pufferfish, uh, which often contain a deadly neurotoxin called tetrodox... Tetrodotic... Ah, jeez. <laughs> Tetrodotoxin. Thank you. That's why Justin's here, to make me <laughs> look like an idiot. So, <laughs> um, it, and in these cases, this isn't something that necessarily kills these people, uh, but instead it puts them in almost like a trance-like sleep, mm -hmm. so deep under sleep that their pulse isn't even recorded. And then days later, they awaken. Uh, sometimes, in the, like in the past, they would be buried and then would come back to life. So this is where I think the zombie really took its, the modern zombie, I should say, took a lot of inspiration is from the real life zombie or the, you know, the origin of the zombie, which is indeed these voodoo or hoodoo type uh, people that were created to be quote unquote zombies, people who are considered dead only to find out that they weren't. Right. All right. Number nine. So number nine, skeptics and believers don't get along. Now, there are actually many skeptics involved in the paranormal community, and they are normally welcomed by investigative groups. When the two groups operate together, the skeptics can assist in disproving misidentified phenomena. If something cannot be disproven, it then leads believers closer to a possibly legitimate experience. Dave Schrader, host of the popular paranormal radio show, Darkness Radio, says paranormal believers are not at war with the skeptic nation, and he embraces their input because he'd rather be taken seriously when findings are reviewed. Additionally, most skeptics are confused for cynics, but actively want a paranormal experience. But they want it to be real and not just a false positive. For anyone who's curious as to whether or not scientists and or skeptics, I should say, and believers do or do not get along, you should listen to many episodes of Paratruth Radio because we've had a lot of skeptics. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think there's been one time where we've ever had a real argument. We've had arguments. There are things that we just both don't agree on. But we've always right. come along in the end. And I can't tell you how many times uh, you know, we've suggested, what if this is the case and it's a paranormal instance and the skeptic says yeah i can see that happening i can see why that could be in this particular situation um and that happens so many times it still happens and yes there are people out there who are very uh skeptic and we're very strong in their beliefs and will argue the point to no regard and like family members that justin and i have actually i'll explain later justin but know this <laughs> Um, you know, and have done this. So it's it's just one of those things where there it depends on the person, but the majority of skeptics out there 
aren't actually out to completely make fun of people who believe in the paranormal. A lot of them believe that there's a legitimate reason as to why people believe, but that that reason isn't necessarily in and of itself paranormal. So again, until we have evidence to prove one or the other, we're going to continually be in this little cross section. Well, you and I have both said several times that, I mean, being a paranormal investigator, you have to have a healthy skepticism of your own. I mean, you shouldn't just automatically believe that something is paranormal. So, I'm, I mean, to talk to a skeptic, and even though you ne- you are necessarily a believer, quote-unquote believer, um, you have to do realize, too, that um, just think about your own skepticism and how you do investigations and then you can kind of relate to the those skeptics even though some of them are to the point of extremists who are as it says cynics um you know in the end you don't necessarily have to uh just like cut somebody off because they don't believe what you believe just be like okay well i disagree and we agree to disagree that's the end of it move on so yeah i think that uh that's a weird myth um i i think that going into that alone uh you know you're just thinking well these people always fight well to be honest there's always disagreements between people that believe in ghosts and aliens and everything else so right and and i think a lot of this comes along the lines also which is very seems to be a very popular view is that Christian believers and scientists don't get along. Uh, and, yeah. and we've seen debates between the two as to why God exists or why he doesn't exist. And and there have been some hostile, quote-unquote hostile, uh, arguments between the two. It, it gets thick, it gets crazy, and it gets heated. We're going to see that in all, all everything. Anything we can possibly believe in, uh, there's going to be somebody who opposes it. And, and that's just, it, it's unfortunate because it, it, like in most cases, the majority of people uh, get along. It's the small group that doesn't, that tends to be the loudest. And those are the ones that get all the attention and why people now believe, oh, skeptics and believers don't get along. Right. All right. Number 10, the paranormal is bad for business. Now, even though the phenomenon is unexplained, the business world is actually a big believer in the paranormal. Paranormal tourism, where travelers spend vacation money on pilgrimages to uh, genre conventions and famous hotspots in an active industry. Instead of shying away from a paranormal reputation, locations are embracing it. Every city seems to have a few ghost tour operations while haunted house Attractions and vampire balls abound, and entire towns in America are defined by their paranormal personalities. Look at Roswell, New Mexico. They have a UFO festival that attracts droves of alien enthusiasts to New Mexico every July. Point Pleasant, West Virginia, belongs to Mothman. And Salem, Massachusetts, I think that goes without saying what goes on there. Um... Zombie walks, runs, and obstacle courses throughout the U.S., along with proms, protests, and pub crawls, are weekly occurrences. Um, So I think uh, 
yeah, I, I don't, I've never come across a business that doesn't embrace the paranormal activity going on in the, their, their business. I mean, back when we first started, um, I mean, uh, I, I went to a hotel with someone that I no longer talked to and she had asked, uh, do you guys know that this place is haunted? And it was kind of like, yeah, but like, what is it to you or why are you asking or something like that? But, um, it's come more and more along where it's like, well, yeah, of course, like here's why and all that stuff. So uh, I'm sure Cleveland has it. I, I know we have a, a ghost tour here in Bismarck as well. So, um, do you know of many businesses that kind of embrace the paranormal in Cleveland? Uh, Gray's Armory is one that's a okay. It's it's a place that's a more of an it's an event. Um, they call it like an event center basically nowadays. Okay. Um, there's a lot of boxing matches that take place uh, within their little area, but that that particular building is one of the first that were erected in Cleveland and has been considered haunted for a very long time. Uh, and there have been a couple of. Like there's a couple small ones. There's a battleship here that's supposedly haunted that sits on Lake Erie that you can go and check out submarine as well. Uh, so there's a couple things here and there. Uh, I think the majority of hauntings are probably a little further out uh, of the main downtown area. These going towards the suburbs and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, not everyone fully embraces necessarily Loch Ness or uh, Loch Ness. Loch Ness Monster. Yes, that's one. Uh <laughs> But, uh, what, uh, what the heck is the Lake Erie? The Lake Erie or? monster. Yeah. I, I don't know the name. You know, of, I think, can't they, remember don't they that. call that Bessie? It might be Bessie. I get them all so confused. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, there, there are definitely things here and there's things all around Savannah, Georgia. I lived there for seven weeks. Talk about a place that really, uh, takes on this whole idea of a ghost town. You know, they, there's so many, haunted attractions that you can walk, go through and investigations you can do in that town. Um, New Orleans, uh, obviously New Orleans, that's, that's, did we mention that? No, that one wasn't mentioned, but New Orleans is a huge no. one, of course, yeah. as well. Uh, you know, so there, there's a lot out there and I feel like one of the things that you and I always wanted to do was kind of travel to some of these cities and do like this mm -hmm. little, oh. you know, road trip where we can check out these different things. And really most of these places are just a simple hop and skip away. They're not yeah. far. You can just Google it in your hometown. You, I'm sure you'll find something. Right. All right. Well, we're going to skip the the break today. We are getting close to the end of the show. So um, what are some of your final thoughts from these 10 myths of the paranormal? Um, that most of these myths are just that myths. You know, uh, I think some of them you have to dive a little deeper in to understand why the myth exists a good example of that would be the skeptic and believers thing for you know i mean look into it a little bit figure out why that is there there are reasons uh, and you have to decide whether or not you're going to give into those reasons which is typically just loud people but a very small majority mm -hmm. uh but there's also things like flying saucers that i think is really interesting because you know there's always been this kind of debate as to whether or not these saucers belong to the military or if they belong to something outer space or if it's a combination of both. Uh, and of course, there's that main, that big belief really that a lot of our technology nowadays come from the Roswell incident. 
it, it's very possible, you know. Uh, who knows? And that maybe some of these other spacecraft that we're seeing, the cigar-like shapes and stuff, are coming to check in on the progress that we're making with that technology uh, that maybe right. even they gave us. So, you know, there's a lot of things here that are really interesting, but nonetheless, stuff that we always have to continue to research. Yep, and I agree. I think that uh, a lot of this stuff, I mean we brought it up during the beginning part of the episode that you and I had had several of these misconceptions with hauntings in particular. So, mm-hmm. um, it's actually something to go over because I mean, even now I'm sure a lot of people believe that, Oh, you know, you can only ghost hunt at night or, um, uh, Bigfoot. There is no evidence to, to prove that Bigfoot exists. Now, you and I would say still, no, there's really not. But, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that do believe that. I'm on the fence as to what Bigfoot is or if it exists or doesn't exist. But um, I wouldn't say necessarily 100% proof that what we have evidence-wise is evidence of Bigfoot. So, um, right. But, um, yeah, so that is the myth of the paranormal, guys. Um, make sure that you like, share, subscribe anywhere you're listening to us. Uh, we, Like I said at the beginning, we do have a new website, newlanternmedia.com. And uh, you can find all of our shows, Crime Crack, Paratruth Radio, and Beyond Reason right there at your fingertips all in one spot. So um, anything else to push out there before we end for today there eric i don't think so just uh hope everyone's having a good year so far and welcome back to paratooth radio hope you guys continue to tune in all right folks until next time where you'll find us same time same channel my name is justin and i'm eric peace Remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, uh, come on. It wasn't come that on. bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network.